0: This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Each week is different. We always have new things come along, Michael. So many peop- great people to talk to. Yeah, true, yeah. true. And today, it's going to be a woman whose father passed away. You yep. knew this man. I knew this man. He was my Sunday school teacher when I was
1: in the fifth grade, and his daughter, Becky, I've known him my whole life. I, wanted to, I was going to ask you, do
0: you have a, a memorable Sunday school teacher story? I do. I do. It was my Sunday school teacher that really resulted in me coming to the Lord. I wasn't with him when I accepted Christ, uh-huh. but right after Sunday school, I was so convicted about what I heard in the lesson that wow. day that I went home. What was his name? Uh, Ralph Schaff is his name. Wow, you know. And uh, thanks for asking that. I, I yeah. hadn't thought of that in a long time until today. Well, the the man who was that that person for me when I was in
1: fifth grade. Was uh, uh, Becky's dad, uh, Mr. Murphy, George Murphy, and he just died like a month ago. You went to the funeral. I went to the funeral, and I was so moved by what she said. I was really so moved by the whole experience, because the whole thing was here is a tribute honoring uh, this spiritual man who was very low key. Who was very, you know, no one, no plaques anywhere, or no statues to him or anything like that. But he literally led thousands and thousands of kids to the Lord I love to hear stories oh, like that and we're going one. to hear
0: one today as we talk with his daughter yeah coming up in a moment here on the program and then later we're going to jump back into the book of John
1: right we're going to go uh, to chapter 20 and look at the resurrection which really flows I think into the fact that we've been talking about uh, this sweet brother uh, George Murphy's funeral. And then we're going to follow that up with a discussion of the resurrection of Jesus.
0: Well, can I ask you to sing Jesus' Wept for us here now?
1: Yeah, this is a song that comes from John, uh, from the passage that uh, deals with the resurrection of Lazarus. And it's asking the question, uh, why did Jesus weep? Because John doesn't tell us. Is he weeping because his friend has died? Has he Is he weeping because uh, Martha and Mary don't seem to believe that there's anything now that he can do? Or perhaps is he re- weeping because he's going to be in the tomb himself in about
0: a week or all of the above it could be all of those things so here's michael card in the studio now jesus wept
1: Now he's three days late how could he take so long why did he hesitate Two women question him both weeping as they came completely different yet still they're both the same Martha's grasping at some vague religious hope endless anxiety she can barely cope but Mary's gasping with her own hopeful fear Lazarus would not have died if you had been here Did Jesus weep for their disbelief? Or did he cry because his friend had died? Took on himself all of their pain and fear Explained the mystery his silent tears.
2: He stood beside the tomb of his
1: beloved friend and shouted out those words they could not comprehend. Then rose the smiling corpse, familiar silhouette, It was a moment that They never would forget Jesus wept that day Mysterious silent tears The reason that he cried Never will be clear But there's one certain thing For now that we can say He had come to wipe All our tears away
2: Did Jesus weep? for their disbelief, or did he cry because his friend had died, took on himself all of our pain and fear, explained the mystery of his son.
0: So I'm so glad that we get to live life alongside you because you have such interesting people that you bring to the program.
1: I have been blessed with a lot of a lot of very special people from the very beginning. And we're going to talk today uh, to a, a young lady that I've known my whole life. Uh, we went to church together. Her father was my Sunday school teacher. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to have, Boy, the privilege I may have of a few to her. questions
0: for Becky Nickens here. <laughs> that's <which> gonna, <laughs> That's going to happen off mic. OK. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Becky, welcome to in the studio. Yeah, we were just together. Uh, uh,
1: Becky's dad uh, passed away not long ago, and we we reconnected at the funeral. I hadn't seen her in in, in a long, long time, and uh, I was just so moved by the by the funeral, especially by what she said. Um, she gave the main uh, main talk at the funeral, and I, I said, "Please come on the the radio and just talk to us about this remarkable guy who was your father, uh, George Murphy." So, Becky. Uh, just a little a little uh, uh, setup. Uh, talk to us about your dad. Um,
3: okay. I can do that. Mm. You know, he had a lot of descriptions. And one, the night before the funeral, a man came up and said the word I would use is beloved. Mm. And that is so cool, you know, because my dad was dearly loved. I've never met anybody. I don't think he had an enemy on this earth. Everybody loved my dad. That's right. And a lot of it is because he loved Jesus. Mm. He wanted to reflect Jesus. And one thing I talked about at the funeral, our family, we're from the South, and everybody had a nickname. You know, from Rooster, Scooter, when I talk, (laughs) you know, people are like just looking at me crazy. But, you know, Tudor Baker, we had Bug, Bird, everybody (laughs) had a nickname. And my dad had a lot of names. And he always told us that his real name was George Alexander Hamilton P. Murphy, Sr. We never (laughs) knew where he got that, you know. But he had Pop, he had Daddy, he had so many names. But one thing um, that I was reminded was the scripture, Isaiah 43, 1, where he uh, he says, I have called you by your name. Hmm. You are mine, says the Lord. And that just penetrates me. It's like such a hug that he calls us his, you know. And so I started thinking about Daddy, and the name that he would want people to remember was the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I've got a card. I'm going to read this message. It says, If ever there were a man whose life reflects the love of God in his heart, it is George Murphy." In his walk with his Savior, each step has been a testimony to his faith, and there is a sermon in each smile. Mm. Isn't that great? Guess who that was from, Mike? Who? That was from your brother. Oh, wow! George. Wow!
1: (laughs) My brother wrote that. (laughs) Wow! Your
3: brother wrote that, and he is. He would have been in Daddy's class actually 50 years ago. I guess. I'm not sure about your brother's age. Well,
1: longer than that. No, George is 70. So it would have been... Okay, so it was
3: 60 years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was
3: 60 years ago. And my dad still talked about your brother. mm. I think that might have been the first group he had
1: Ah, at the church. Interesting. Isn't that great? My story about your dad uh, is I thought he was Jesus. (laughs) I know. Uh, yeah, I'm I like, love this I'm five story. or six years old, and I go out into the car and, and my, you know, jump in the car with my mom. And, well, you know, I had sun school. Well, I met Jesus today. She goes, What? I said, There was this man who was standing at the door, and he shook my hand. He, he, he welcomed me into the church. So it had to be Jesus. And it was your dad. And that my, is so funny. Yeah, and my mom this, told my mom told him that later. And, of course, he was just horrified that some little kid <laughs> thought he was Jesus.
3: I know, right? Because he was pretty humble. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is your brother told, Carolyn, your sister said, isn't it going to be great when we get to heaven? And George Murphy is standing at the shake, shaking our hands right. as we come right.
0: in. And that'll make <laughs> perfect sense. your story. Yeah. yeah. That'll make so perfect sense. So he became your fifth grade Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Though. Right, right, right.
1: And uh, and he was he was the guy who passed the plate in church, and he pay, prayed with the pastor before every you know every time he he uh, he preached. And one of the pastors t- told the story that uh, Mr. Murphy every single time, nine o'clock in the morning, he'd be there in the study ready to pray. And every single time he would pray, Lord, please let him say
0: something that will lead somebody to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was that was Mr. Murphy. Right. That's right. We're That's celebrating right. his name today, but you're saying that practically no one outside the community would have known who this man is. Well, I think Becky was right. Everybody who knew Mr. Murphy absolutely
1: loved him. But outside of that community, no, there's not, there's not a lot of people who yeah. know George Murphy. Yeah. is. But
0: think of his impact. That's what I'm getting to. Think of the impact the man had.
3: And people that met him, though, remembered him because yeah. he always made people laugh. Yeah. Whether it was taking out his false teeth behind the <laughs> boss at a sales meeting <laughs> or whether it was, you know, they told a story. Um, one of the stories— these two fellas would come and pick him up every Tuesday night, and they only had to drive a mile down the street to their destination. But they would take 20 to 30 minutes going through the neighborhood because the minute they turned the music on, my daddy did this dance like a uh, bobbing his head like a turkey. <laughs> And he would make everybody—everybody would get so tickled. They said, you know, at first only one guy would come to pick him up, and then somebody else would say, well, I want to go, too. And then by the time they told their story, everybody wanted to get in the truck and come and get George Murphy because he just made them laugh so hard. Yeah,
1: and this is after he got old, and they would have to— This
3: was like three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And see, he only gave up his fifth and sixth grade class about three months ago, Mike. He was still teaching fifth and sixth grade or at least up there with the kids. Uh Sometimes he just did the record. But, you know, talking about him not being a famous man, you know, it's outside his community. That's the one thing that I didn't say at the funeral, but something that God has really impressed on my heart is that Daddy truly was salt and light, Mm. that God calls us to be, that's in the Word where Jesus is speaking. And... You know, because you don't taste the salt, you don't pour salt all in one place, you sprinkle it around to enhance, Hmm. you know, whatever it's going on. Mm -hmm. You don't do it for the taste of the salt. Mm -hmm. And same with light, light doesn't make a sound. Mm -hmm. And Daddy was such a light, no matter where he was, he didn't have to, he didn't have to, I love what your brother said on the card, you know, he didn't have to go around and talk about it a lot or beat people over the head with their bible he lived it
1: yeah yeah
3: he lived it and and people saw a difference in him yeah
1: yeah i think when you're when you're exposed to someone like that who really does live it out who really is salt and light what's like so many things in the gospels you don't understand it until you see it lived out you can read a book about being salt and light or you can you know put all the verses together and read them it's not until you see it lived out, which, by the way, is why God doesn't drop a book from the sky. I mean, Jesus <laughs> exactly. is incarnate, and he lives out all these things. And then in, 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 uh, in, uh, in lesser ways, I guess, uh, we're called to, to do the same thing and be salt and light. And I don't think I would understand what that meant unless I'd known your dad. Wow. Yeah.
4: That
3: is so powerful because, yeah. you know what, it's that generational blessing. It's like this quote that says our greatest blessing is to receive God's love our greatest privilege is to give it away to others
4: mm.
3: i think about how many people and that's what everybody said about daddy is how he impacted them whether in his class or whether it was outside whatever he had even made so many friends at where he was at rehab i mean they saw a difference in him mm. he made people laugh he had to be at this certain table because he was having some swallowing issues mm-hmm. And the music would come on, and he would start doing that little turkey neck <laughs> thing, you know? And the lady beside him had paralysis, but she could roll her shoulder with the music. And everybody was just cracking up, and everybody <laughs> loves to laugh, yeah. you know? And um, But everybody talked about the impact he made on them, whether it was through laughing, through the gospel, through being the salt and light, being a Southern gentleman. That was another great description. But... You know, what we have to realize, it doesn't just go to me. It doesn't just go to my brother, you know. It goes to our kids, our children's kids, our, you know, on generational. He has a generational impact, just like, um, you know, every child. I figured up he would have had 46,800 chances (laughs) (laughs) to share the Lord with children in the 5th and 6th grade classes. Through the 60 years that he taught.
2: 60 years.
3: Wow. And you think about you. You think about your children are getting to benefit from what my dad taught you.
2: That's
0: right. And it's... your
3: children, their children, their children's children. It goes on and on and on. And
0: another point is, I mean, I'm just meeting you for the first time and hearing about George Murphy for the first time today, Becky, but I'm hearing you say he was the same man at home that he was to all those children at church.
3: Yes. 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 Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. He served our family. He served my mom. She never had to work outside the home. He came in. He sent me to college by refilling fire extinguishers at night. So, of course, I wanted to help him. So, I get down there. One thing my daddy did in the old days was chew tobacco. And he wasn't like an old farmer, but he just enjoyed a good chew. (laughs) So, I went down. Went to. I came upstairs. I was like, "Oh, Daddy, I am so sorry, but I was refilling some fire extinguishers, and I knocked over this bucket of oil. I'm so sorry." And he died laughing. It was his spit. (laughs) That's probably not anything you want on the radio. But anyway, (laughs) but he was the same man at home. He truly was. He loved to take us places. We we never had. You know, we never. Traveled or anything like that outside of, we went to Chattanooga and it was really important that we would go to um, church there. My mom had to take an extra suitcase for all the Sunday clothes and all of that, you know. But he just, church was important to him. It was important to him. And um, he was impacted by a man named Herbert Fudge. And one day I'm going to find somebody in his family because he led so many young men to the lord by hiring them into the market and Mm -hmm. where he worked i guess he owned this little grocery store in east nashville and would hire these young men and then share the lord with them and ended up my dad ended up going to what was called the first independent church of nashville and it was spirit filled he loved it and so when i left the traditional baptist church and i asked my dad i said daddy At that time, I was going to Belmont, big Jesus movement, you know, Mm -hmm. at Belmont Church of Christ. And uh, then they dropped that. It was just Belmont Church. And I said, Daddy, is it going to be hard for you if I leave Inglewood Baptist to go to a church of Christ? And here's what he tells me. He said, Becky, we're all churches of Christ. Mm -hmm. You go where you're fed.
4: Mm. Wow.
3: That meant the world to me because I had friends that their parents you know thought it was a cult they were
4: oh yeah, they were
3: not allowed to go, they even let people come in pants, of course, we know that's where Amy Grant was, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and her precious family, yeah. Burton and Gloria, and yeah. sisters and all and um but that meant so much to me that my dad felt that way. Yeah.
1: Can you can you talk to us, to us about just maybe the last the last couple of days uh, before he went home? I mean, you feel okay to share that?
3: I do, I do. Um, Pop left on Father's Day, which some people felt sorry for me about, but I felt it was very sweet. Oh, it's perfect. It was yeah. so perfect, yeah. and. Um, I got to be with him on Father's Day and then he got to be with his father oh. on Father's Day. So what could Think be? Think of that. In that.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: The last week was hard for me because I tried to figure everything out and I feel like if I can understand it I can fix it. Mm-hmm. But uh I've come to the conclusion this and just in the last couple of days really that everything had to happen the way it did. Mm for daddy to leave us at the appointed time that God had his days numbered. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me because I didn't feel like daddy was sick enough to die. I felt like there were other things that could have been done. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, um, you know, daddy and I prayed together. We, um, the last scriptures he heard was Psalms 34. I read that to him. And, um, then, Daddy used to sing a lullaby to us called Bow, Baby Bunting mm-hmm. and no child could sleep to this song because of the way he sang it. <laughs> Again, he would he I can, I won't do this on the radio, but yeah. he would get to the part where to get a rabbit skin uh-huh. and he would roll his voice when he said rabbit and sing it really really loud. Uh-huh. And so if you had thought about sleeping, you would have been wide awake. Kind of an
1: anti-lullaby. <laughs> Absolutely. I
3: know my mama could have just kicked him in the shin. You know, like, George, come on, they need to go to sleep. But um, the, the last couple of days, he, he was really um, – Daddy had what was called hospital delirium,
4: mm-hmm.
3: where he just was somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, if we can just get him back to life care, he's going to come out of this, because he had done that before. Uh But anyway, um, the last few days, we were only under hospice for the last hour of his life, but he was peaceful. He was at peace. He held my hand. He squeezed my hand. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, you know, I'm thinking angels singing. I wanted to hear something. I wanted to see something. I wanted us to be singing him t- with him yeah. and sending him off, you know, but um, it just, with the people that were with him, it just didn't seem to be like the right setting. But uh, my daughter called and said, Mama, y'all should be singing Bio Baby Bunting.
1: Oh, no. Daddy. Really? And
3: I was like, that is so perfect. <laughs> I'd already read the scriptures to him, and so I think I was the only one singing, but I sang Bio Baby Bunting to him. And um, at the end of the song, he took his last breath. And um, so I said at the funeral, you know, if um, if that's the way it was, which it was, then you don't want to sit by me at church on Sunday and have me sing next to you. You may uh, leave us at that time. But you know what's really sweet is, as we've been going through a few of Daddy's things, I found a letter that I had written to him from college. I used to write him letters a lot. And um, I told him about this song, and I don't know if it was B.J. Thomas or Billy Joe Royal, one of those guys sang a song called Daddy. And it was who's the one who used to hold my hand when I was young and do the... the, And I wrote all the lyrics to him, and I said, Daddy, I know this is better when you hear it than when you read it, Mm -hmm. but hearing this song reminds me of the days you used to hold me and sing bio baby bunting to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that this was like two weeks after he passed away. So it was so sweet to revisit that, even in that letter I'd written him in, in college. That was mm-hmm. just a a big deal to our family. I've got video of him singing it to my granddaughter. Well,
0: Becky, thank you so much for helping us celebrate the life of your father, George Murphy, a man that I never got to meet. Michael, he was your fifth grade Sunday school mm-hmm. teacher, mm-hmm. but you went to the funeral.
1: Oh yeah, I was there, and uh, and and what I wanted—this is what I came away from the funeral uh, realizing—is when the scriptures talk about these are the kind of people you should honor. Yes. Honor such yes. you know men and women. Yeah. And uh, I saw that in such a beautiful way, and and it was like Becky said, he he yes he he led people to the Lord, but he was salt and light, and he he really carried Jesus. I mean, I, of course, I got it wrong when I was five, and I thought he was Jesus. But in a way, I was kind of right. So um, so that's why yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to hear it from your uh, from your perspective, Becky. Yeah, Thanks it was for being special. with Very
0: special, very special indeed. God bless you, Becky. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all doing this. It just brings honor to him and spreads the legacy on, you know, I didn't know how much I needed God until I got to college because I thought my daddy was him too, (laughs) you know, um, with Mike on that because he was just so wonderful. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Do you have time? I just wanted to say, you know, when I was six, I remember distinctly telling my dad that I loved him more than I loved God. Ooh. And he straightened me out real quick on that, <laughs> but he let me know, you know, we just thank God for who he puts in our lives. Yes. And he was a wonderful man, and he would probably be embarrassed by this in a way, but his legacy needs to live on because these are the types of people we want That's in our lives. I want this in my children's lives, my grandchildren's
1: yeah. and, lives. And in a sense, we have to become that. We've got to step up and be be salt and light. And when you think about, okay, how do I do that? I think about your dad.
3: Oh, you Mike, know? that blesses.
1: Yeah, so being salt and light means having fun, and talking to people, and opening the door of your life to people, and uh, That's right. yeah, and being and
3: silly, and being silly sometimes. Indeed. Taking every opportunity.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I have a suggestion, Michael. Recently, you sat down in the studio and recorded "In Memory," the song. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe that would be the song to end this conversation yeah, let's, with. Right do right now. So, let's do that. Let's do that. Becky Nickens, thank you again, and let's listen yes. as Michael sings "In Memory."
1: Time had come, this moment had been waiting With her alabaster jar the woman came to give It was all she had to give Pouring out the sweet perfume down across his forehead But some of them began to fume what this waste was for it should be spent
2: upon the poor let her be it's beautiful to me
1: and you will have the poor and they'll be with you always but can't you see you'll not always have me and the fragrance of her gift always be remembered. She has done all she could do, pouring perfume on my body. She has prepared me for the tomb, though she never knew this was what she came to do. It's beautiful to me And you will have the poor And they'll be with you always But
2: can't you see You'll not always have me
1: And the fragrance of her gift Will always be remembered What she has done Will never fade From the memory of the gospel, when it is
2: preached
1: around the world, it will be spoken of in memory of her love.
0: Michael Card's many songs here in the studio, In Memory, it's titled. And uh, we're found online at michaelcard.com. Now, don't go away. There's lots more to come. Coming up, we're going to talk about John chapter 20 and the resurrection of Jesus. So stick around for that conversation. And let us know through email why you enjoy the program, what you enjoy about the program, where you listen to the program. We'd love to get to know you through email in the studio at michaelcard.com. Stay tuned. This month, we're featuring the CSB Reader's Bible. Here's Michael with more about this unique Bible edition.
1: I'm always encouraging people to read blocks of Scripture to get the flow of the narrative. The Reader's Bible opens up a whole new way to experience the Word of God to
0: us without the interruptions from chapter and verse references. Search for the CSB Reader's Bible at csbible.com. Find the Bible style you want to order and apply your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. The CSB Reader's Bible. Rediscover the wonder of God's Word to us, free from the distractions of chapter and verse references. I'm confident you'll have a fresh
1: experience with the storyline of the Bible as you concentrate on the message of the words
0: in this current and clear translation. Search for the CSB Reader's Bible now at csbible.com. With you in the studio, with Michael Card here, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Coming up, we're going to turn to John chapter twenty. Uh, open the Bible if you can, where you are listening to the program, and join us there in John chapter twenty. The importance of the resurrection, which which is everything.
1: Um, I was raised in a church where we focus so much on the cross, and obviously the cross is important, but the cross really doesn't have any meaning apart from the resurrection, because the resurrection is what validates everything and. Demonstrates, uh, you know, the 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 power of God to raise Jesus from the dead, um, and if, it's interesting if you if if you look at Paul's life um, when he's arrested. If he wants to start a fight, <laughs> he doesn't say, "I'm here because I believe Jesus," or mm-hmm. "I, you know, I have a cross around my neck." He he says. I believe in the resurrection. It's all because of the resurrection. It's all because of the resurrection. And of course, then this huge fight breaks out because I think everybody there in Paul's times realizes that's the crucial, crucial question. Does God have the power to raise Jesus from the dead?
0: And if he does then game on. All right. Right? Well, don't don't say anything more because we want yeah. you to fully talk okay. about that in just a moment here okay. after you sing for us. And the song we've chosen is Love Crucified Arose, your classic song of the resurrection. That song is older than you are, Wayne. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> older than I am. <laughs>
1: well, this song, um, like so many good songs, it was uh, ripped off from uh, a poem by Emily Dickinson. She says, when love was crucified, it arose. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so this is this song is really just kind of a broad overview of uh, what the resurrection means, uh, and the line in this song that even all these years later, when I sing this song, uh, I think I maybe if if I have a tombstone, I want to, I want this on my tombstone. Um, the grave and the grave became a place of hope. Oh yeah, because the heart that sin and sorrow broke is beating once again, and that's what resurrection is all about. The grave becomes a place of hope. The, the, the empty tomb. And your grave and my grave, you know, there's this hope that we have that the resurrection is,
0: is real. Oh, love those lines. Yeah. Let's listen to them again as you sing them, Love Crucified Arose.
2: Tears. A
1: life of homeless wandering, cast out in sorrow's way. The shepherd seeking for the lost, is life the price he paid? Love crucified arose,
2: the risen one in splendor. Jehovah's soul, defender, has won the victory, Of crucified arose, and the grave became a place of hope, for the heart that sin and sorrow broke, is beating once again. You should come to give
1: To drink for us that crimson cup So we might
2: really live At last the time to love and die The dark appointed day That one forsaken moment when Your father turned his face away Crucified, arose the One who lived
1: and died for me was Satan's nail-pierced casualty. Now He's breathing once again. Love
2: crucified, arose and the grave became a place of hope for the heart that sin and sorrow broke is beating once.
0: Well, Michael, our continuing study in the book of John picks up now in John chapter twenty. Oh, uh, last yeah. time we dealt with the crucifixion of Jesus. Now it's the uh, the empty tomb.
1: Yeah, and this chapter contains the most frustrating verse in the whole Bible. What? Yeah, <laughs> the most frustrating verse.
0: You are going to tell me what it is?
1: Well, let's see. Let's see if we can find <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So we'll just uh, we'll go through this and see where it comes out. Sure. All right. We we have uh,
1: the yeah the resurrection. Um, and uh, once again, we have to keep reminding ourselves, John is an eyewitness. He he looks into that empty tomb and sees the details, and this is his account. And so he remembers the opening statement uh, that it was between 3 and 6 a.m., because he opens with a technical term mm-hmm. that uh, has to do with deep dawn, very early in the morning. So but between 3 and 6, uh, Mary Magdala goes to the tomb and sees that the stone uh, has gone. And so she runs to who? Simon and John. And interesting, after Jesus leaves, Simon and John are always together. and it's almost as if Simon Peter moved into that slot of, of being sort of the big brother to the disciple John. But oh. even even in Acts, they're always together. Peter well, and
0: John did you tell me this or did someone else tell me this that when it comes time to go to the tomb John is first to arrive oh and he loves that detail but Peter is the one who, who goes, goes in, in. Right, right so John is younger and gets there quicker
1: right and, and and doesn't that all fit together right we we've already said this is 12 13 year old boy you know Peter's a grown man and guess who gets there first <laughs> yeah. but John is still an observant enough Jew you don't go into a tomb. What happens to you if you touch a tomb? Oh yeah, you're unclean. Sure. Well, guess who doesn't care about that yeah, right Peter. now? Peter. <laughs> Peter, you know, barges right into the into the tomb. Uh, but and, I'm getting ahead
0: of myself here. But um...
1: well, no, no, you're you're, you're right with the right with the text. But then they they look into the tomb and, and all of the gospels. Uh, give us the, the 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 details of the interior of the tomb, and that's very important. But as far as I know, only John is giving us eyewitness detail, uh-huh. and that is that there are strips of of linen lying there, and and the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' face is folded up, and it's laying over to the side. And what this indicates, Wayne, I think, is is a lack of haste. When Jesus rises from the dead, yeah. he or one of the angels who is there actually unfolds this cloth and uh, from his face mm-hmm. it's called the sudorion sudor is this greek word for sweat it's the sweat cloth mm-hmm. he unwraps this from his face and folds it up and lays it to the side there's mm-hmm. this absence of it's haste a, almost a decorum about it it is yeah. it's yeah it's whole there's a holy yeah. Yeah. this holy right. moment right. i mean uh, and i i picture the the chest that has you know it, that is not moved you know because he's been dead for 3 days all of a sudden begins to rise and fall mm-hmm. and he's alive again mm-hmm. And he 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 wakes up. He unwraps the sweat cloth from around his head, and there's the little statement. Uh, the other disciple finally John <laughs> yeah, does right. John does go in. Right. He saw and believed, but Peter still doesn't believe. Yeah, they that's, still did
0: not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead.
1: Yeah, and that's a little parenthetical statement. And only John does that too. We haven't talked about that. Only John whispers in your ear. Hmm. And verse 9 is a whisper in your ear. See, he's explaining, listen, uh, Wayne, they didn't understand that. But later, see, they understood that from the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so the disciples go back to their home, and then there's Mary staying outside the tomb. And this, this, this is the, the, the first hint of a profound mystery of the resurrection. And it's one, if you know me, you know I talk about a lot. And the fact is, when Jesus was raised from the dead, nobody recognized him. Mm. This is, a, this is huge for me, Wayne. Um, so Mary is outside of the tomb. Mary, she's always at his feet. She always leads with her heart. And and so this stranger, she she's assumes he's, a, he's the gardener because it's early in the morning. She oh, doesn't well, even
0: recognize his voice.
1: No, well, I think, I think she does. Does she? You and think so? I think
0: eventually she does. She, well, eventually, she, but he says, woman, why are you crying? Yeah, and... but, but when he says her name... She okay.
1: recognizes it. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, initially she doesn't. And uh, you know, why are you crying? And uh, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where. Tell me, and I'll go get him. See, as if, as if you know, she you know can can uh, go and and pick pick up the body in uh, <laughs> verse uh, fifteen, hmm. and then verse sixteen is where it happens.
0: Jesus yeah. said to her. It- it was her name that he spoke yeah. that she re- she recognized. She him. hears her name.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then she turns around because apparently she was sideways or her back was to him and she turns turns around and and she cries out literally the the Aramaic is my is possessive my rabbi my she teacher. says. Yeah.
0: Hmm. My rabbi. But that'll preach that when Jesus calls your name
1: Well, well, here's what's going to happen, Wayne. After the resurrection, uh, Mary doesn't recognize him. The disciples in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, they don't recognize him, right? He walks and talks and tells them everything about the Old Testament concerning himself. They don't recognize Jesus until he does what? Breaks the bread. Mm -hmm. How do we recognize Jesus? In the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. How do we recognize Jesus? We recognize his voice. Mm-hmm. And in the last chapter of John, he does this final miracle, the second miraculous catch of right. fish. And it's not until he does that that the disciples recognize who he is. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. we we are now living in, this is our world. This uh, chapter 20 is post-resurrection. Yes. It's the same world you and I live in. And so w- w- if there's any question, I need to be able to recognize his voice when he says, you know, Wayne? Time for you to move. Time for you to do this. See?
0: I'm still waiting for that most frustrating verse in the Bible. Okay, coming it's, up it's, here. it's coming. All, all right, th- all thanks. Right. I just want to make sure I hadn't missed it.
1: Well, in in verse 19, uh, apparently this is after the, uh, the Emmaus event in Luke 24. Uh, we have uh, this evening meal when Jesus appears and simply you know pops out of nowhere and says shalom. <laughs> You know, hi, hi, yeah. <laughs> Peace be with you. And and the disciples are, uh, John says they're overjoyed, um, and and the very first thing he does, and this again is I think part of my argument, in verse twenty, and this is before Thomas, yes, when he wants to be known, in verse twenty, he shows them his hands and his side. Jesus is known by his scars. From this point on, he's recognized. By his wound. You
0: should write a song known by the scars, Michael. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've made a lot of hay out of this. Uh, and then he sort of breathes and gives them this sort of pre-baptism. It's it's prophetic symbolic activity. Like uh, look in Ezekiel 37 where you see the same sort of activity. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then Thomas later on, good old Thomas, dear Thomas, who is who is never condemned by Jesus <laughs> no. for his doubt. So why do we condemn? Him? Right, right. Uh, Thomas says, "You know what? I'm not going to believe this until I, you know, I got to see the evidence." And uh, verse twenty six. A week later, Thomas, poor old Thomas, has to wait a whole week
0: <laughs> wrestling
1: and, with doubt. And and Jesus appears again. Same thing. Hi, shalom. He says hi. And I love Jesus. His This language is so, I think, so like him. In verse 27, he said to Thomas, and literally in the Greek, this is what Jesus said to Thomas. He says, bring your finger over here. You know, I don't think that's a rebuke. It's like it's almost like he's uh, uh, teasing with him a little bit. Because Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it until yeah. I stick my finger in. So Jesus yeah. says, hey, bring your finger over here. Hmm. See? And... Um, and Thomas, as far as we know, he doesn't do it. There's no record. Then Thomas looked at his his wounds and said, oh, okay, I really do believe. That's not there. Uh, all all uh, Thomas does is fall down and say, my Lord and my God. That's right. He believes. Yeah. So, uh, And then Jesus, and this is one of the most blessed things for me, but because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And that's us, Wayne. I mean, here he is in this little room in, in uh, outside of Jerusalem, and he's thinking of you and me. But here comes the most frustrating verse uh, in all the I'm Bible. Looking, I'm looking. When I see John in heaven, I uh, we, <laughs> have got, we got a lot to, to deal with. And here it is. And what you need to know is this is the original ending of the book of John. This ah, is yes. where John originally ended. Okay. So, and, and see if this doesn't sound like an ending to you. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which sure, are not, not recorded. recorded in <laughs> I, this book. I want to know. I need to know. Oh, many other things? <laughs> but, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have his life in his name. And what you need to know is that's the purpose of the book at the very last sentence of the original manuscript, he gives us the purpose for the book. These Mm -hmm. have been written so that you can believe, and by believing you can have life in his name. Mm -hmm. So, the book of John is over? Well, what you need to know is this, this was the original ending, but what happens is... Uh, and I'm not, believe me, uh, listeners out there. I'm not saying chapter 21 is is any less authoritative. It's the word of God. But 21 was added after John died by his own disciples. It's an authoritative part of his own teaching that was that was added after his death. By the way, and, how did John die?
0: Uh, of old age. As only, the far as only we know. disciple, right? Yeah. To, f- to live and die of natural causes. Yeah, as far as so we know. So to speak,
1: he died of old age. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we'll look at that
1: when we look at the final okay. chapter, which is my favorite chapter, by right. the way.
0: John 21, next time, here in the studio.
2: There's a wealth of things that I professed I said that I believed But deep inside I never changed I guess I'd been deceived Then a voice inside kept telling me That I'd changed by and by But the Spirit made it clear to me that kind of life's a lie I have decided I'm gonna live like a believer Turning my back on the deceiver Gonna live what I believe I have decided That being good is just a fable I just can't cause I'm not able Gonna leave it to the Lord So forget that game of being good and your self-righteous
1: pain because the only good inside your heart is the good that jesus brings and when the world begins to see you change
2: don't expect them to applaud just keep your eyes on him and tell yourself i've begun the work of god i have decided i'm gonna live like a believer turn my back on Deceiver, gonna live what I believe. I have decided being good is
1: just a fable. I just can't because I'm not able. I'm gonna leave
2: it to the Lord.
1: I have decided
2: I'm gonna live like a believer. Turn my back on the deceiver, gonna live what I believe. I have decided That being good is just a fable I just can't cause I'm not able Don't leave it to
0: enjoyed that song. I have decided.
1: That's an old song. I wrote that song, and uh, that may be the first song I ever wrote. We were in a little church, a little Presbyterian church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and we said the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. Uh And in my church, I grew up in the Baptist church. We didn't do that. And one Sunday, I was listening to myself recite the Apostles' Creed, and I just stopped and said, what if I really believed all that? <laughs> so, and that's how I wrote. I have okay. decided I'm going to believe all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, you know, all the things that the Creed say. Yeah.
0: Well, again, I, I really enjoy that. That was Pat mm-hmm. Flynn, by the way. Yeah, on the guitar. guitar there. Yeah, he's an unbelievable player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've enjoyed having Pat uh, in the past year on the program. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about next steps from what we've talked about here today. We heard the story of George Murphy mm-hmm. and uh, the unsung hero. Uh, of your past. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a Sunday school teacher in 5th grade, I think you said. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and then we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Of course there's a good tie-in between those two things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As we gathered uh, together for uh, for George's funeral and he was 94 years old, so those kind those are different sort of funerals mm-hmm. than uh, for a younger person. So we're really celebrating and telling stories and, you know, it's like the funeral home people have to come in and tell us to quiet down because <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're having such a good time sort of thing but the but the reason we ultimately that we could celebrate is because we all believe in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. We believe that uh this isn't it. Yeah. Uh, well, for, as you said earlier, it's it's the basis for everything. It really is. It it validates uh it validates everything. It's the basis for our hope and uh and comfort certainly and uh yeah, the resurrection changes
0: everything. And you have uh, Acts open there on your iPhone.
1: Yeah, right before Jesus ascends, he speaks of uh, the fact that we are going to be witnesses. And the qualification for an apostle uh, all through the book of Acts is that they were the ones who were the witnesses. They saw the resurrected Jesus. That's what qualifies them to to be called an apostle. And that's why Paul can say, because Paul meets the risen Lord Mm -hmm. on the road to Emmaus. Um, And so I guess in a sense, Wayne, the same sort of thing has to become real for us. I mean, I've... I've seen him you know with faith I, I I trust and hope and I believe that he has been raised from the dead and so like I said before game on
0: right? yeah <laughs> yeah and it's it's not a duty but it's certainly something that we we want to do because we love him
1: yeah and how can you not I mean there's there's should be a certain excitement that's involved in the fact that we
0: think about that I mean, yeah true and,
1: well it's 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 Mary running back to the disciples and Peter and John running to the tomb it's that whole um this level of of because there, I was going to say this level of expectation, but part of the understanding is that there was no expectation. <laughs> no one was waiting outside the tomb for him to be raised from the dead. He talked about it a lot, but no one had heard and even when they see that the stone's been rolled away, they think someone stole the stole the body. So uh yeah, out of zero expectations from zero to 100 miles an hour just you in got, you know right. one morning. yeah
0: I think a fitting conclusion to what we've talked about today is your song known by the scars.
1: Yeah, because uh, one of the things that happens after the resurrection is that Jesus is recognized not by his uh, familiar face. Uh, In fact, they fail to recognize him. Uh, The disciples on the road to Emmaus walked and talked with him for hours. They didn't know who he was. It's not until he broke the bread. Mary thinks he's the gardener, so she doesn't recognize him. The disciples in John 21 stand around the fire with him. It says you know and and some doubted or you know uh, they wanted to ask him who he was but they didn't and then even at, at the Ascension in Matthew some believed but some doubted so there's this there's this doubt until they see the scars and the scars are that uh, uh, identifying mark
0: and that's what this concluding song today is about known by the scars
2: Mother Mary Christ she held heaven in a wrong shadow of the scars she saw was clear, as her own bewildered baby lay weeping for the world, whose frightened tears would free us all from fear.
0: Michael. It goes by so fast, but our hour is nearly up here in the studio with Michael Card. And we hope you'll take a moment and share your reactions to this hour. Post a comment on Michael Card Music's Facebook page, write a review on Apple Podcasts, or share the link to what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com, to learn more about the great Bible editions That can aid in your personal growth As you get serious about God's Word This month we're featuring the CSB Reader's Bible This unique edition provides the perfect opportunity To read the Bible in its original and simplified form Uninterrupted by verse and chapter references Search for the CSB Reader's Bible And when you order, use the promotion code in the studio typed with no spaces to receive your 30% discount On CSB purchases through LifeWay the Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for joining us for this session in the studio with Michael Card.